Grace and peace are yours in Christ our Savior, the Son in whom God is well pleased. Amen. You're watching an action movie. The villains have taken hostages. These innocent people are huddled together and their captors have big guns. And they're ready to use them. And as far as anyone, captor or captive, knows, no one is aware of the situation. But then the, the PA system crackles on. Or maybe one of the bad guy's phones rings. Either way, it, it surprises, it confuses the villains. It's a message from the hero. He speaks, he speaks over the PA system or over the phone to them, and he warns them, hey, this isn't going to end well for you. And although he's directing this message at the villains, the captives are affected by it as well. Their hearts swell, their spirits are lifted, someone wants to help them. Keep that, that scene in mind as we read from Isaiah 49 this morning. I, I had you do something similar last week as we read from Isaiah 60. We pictured God's people as a woman sitting in the dark. She was alone because of her sin, but suddenly the husband whom she had abandoned came to her with their children close behind to bring her gifts. When you read the Old Testament prophets, it's important to see that the pictures that they draw with their words. Reading the Old Testament prophets and trying to isolate doctrines, teachings, right, without considering the pictures there, it's a little bit like walking around the Met, just looking at the placards next to all the art. Sure, you're going to learn something, but you won't feel. And God wants you to feel as you read his word. Jesus used parables so often for this very reason, right? He loved to teach through stories and through characters and through metaphors. And God's word not only communicates information, doctrine, teaching, but it does so in ways that are meant to elicit a reaction as art does. We're going to balance these two things today. Our text is loaded with doctrine. This text from Isaiah 49, we can learn a lot of specific, singular truths from this text, but those truths are all going to be taught to us through a story. And we'll keep both of those things in mind as we read Isaiah 49, the story of Jesus to the rescue. Verses 1 to 3. Listen to me, you islands. Hear this, you distant nations. Before I was born, the Lord called me. From my mother's womb, he has spoken my name. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, in whom I will display my splendor. What do we hear in these opening words? This is a message to which the speaker says, a particular group should pay attention. What does he say in this message? He talks about two things. One, he has long been prepared for the task before him, and two, that task is going to involve waging war, martial prowess. Right? This opening message is a warning to the islands and the nations he addresses. Maybe you've seen the movie Taken. Uh, Liam Neeson stars as Brian Mills, an ex-CIA agent whose daughter gets kidnapped. And early in the movie, Mills speaks to one of the kidnappers on the phone. What he says is very similar to the message here in Isaiah 49. He tells the kidnapper, I have a very particular set of skills. 
Skills I acquired over a long career. He has long been prepared for the task before him. These skills, he says to the kidnapper, make me a nightmare for people like you. The kidnapper is given a choice. Release Mill's daughter and forget this ever happened or die at his hands. Of course, it would have been a very short movie had the kidnapper listened. And so the next 90 minutes are spent watching Mills use his particular set of deadly skills to save his daughter. As we read this text, we can picture it similarly. The hero is describing himself and his abilities to the villains, and he warns them of the consequences that will follow their evil actions. He says he was called by the Lord before he was born. He has been prepared for this. The Lord says to this hero, verse 3, that through the hero I will display my splendor. Who is this hero? You want to ask. Our other two readings this morning help us identify him. It's Jesus. It's Jesus speaking in Isaiah 49. In our reading from Colossians, Paul says that in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Jesus was sent by God into our world to show forth God's splendor, to be God's splendor on two legs. And God affirmed this as we see in our gospel reading when Jesus was baptized, when God sent the Spirit down from heaven to publicly proclaim that Jesus was the one he had chosen to save us from sin. This hero has long been prepared for his mission. Again, as I mentioned, we want to do two things this morning as we read this text. We want to find the story. Right? And I'm, I'm trying to do that as we talk about this action hero, this message being sent. We also want to learn doctrine. Let me define doctrine quickly because I've used that word a few times. Doctrines simply are particular concepts taught as truths. Here's a doctrine contained in this story. The pre-existence of Jesus. Again, Jesus says, verse 1, Before I was born, the Lord called me. Right? This text teaches us this particular truth. Jesus is not like other humans in this particular way. He existed before his life on earth began, before his life began in Mary's womb. We find in other parts of Scripture clarification on this point of doctrine. How could Jesus exist before his earthly life began? Well, as we read in Colossians, he is God in bodily form. Jesus is not just a man born from Mary's womb. He has been eternally God. And this text then also teaches us another doctrine somewhat indirectly, right? The Trinity. This three-in-one God is referenced here when we have Christ God in bodily form, speaking of God the Lord as another distinct person, speaking to him, appointing him for a mission. The doctrine of the Trinity is drawn together from passages such as these and from our gospel reading where we see all three persons. We learn these doctrines in this story as Jesus the hero describes himself in this message get back to the story side of things. Jesus' message continues. He compares himself to the weapons of an elite soldier. His mouth is a sharpened sword, a sword with a keen and ready edge. He, he's like a polished arrow, an arrow that has been cleaned of dirt so that it flies straight and true. See, there are hostages in need of rescue. And so the hero has been armed with only the best equipment to save them from the bad guys. Who are these bad guys? This warning is addressed to islands and nations. Again, our Colossians reading is helpful 
to understand who this is. From that reading, verse 8, Paul says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. The islands and nations against whom the hero will fight are all the worldly entities that want to take us captive through their doctrines. Again, a simple definition of doctrine is a particular concept presented as truth. But doctrines can be true or false. In the case of the Colossians, some itinerant preachers had come to them and begun teaching doctrines, such as the need to worship on particular days, or that certain foods were forbidden to Christians. Paul tells the Colossians that these doctrines, however, are not true. Do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, he says. As he says to the Galatians in another letter, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. We do well still today to heed Paul's warning because there are voices all around us that want to teach us their doctrines. Sometimes we hear those doctrines expressed as explicitly religious doctrines, doctrines with hat which have to do with our faith. Here are some doctrines that you might hear day to day. No Christian would vote for that party. Look at what they stand for. It's a doctrine. No Christian would vote for that candidate. Look at their history. No Christian would have a drink or smoke a cigarette or a joint. This or that musical instrument is inappropriate for church. All of these are doctrines being presented as Christian truth. It's not just in the religious world, though, that we hear doctrine around us. Doctrines are presented to us every day as our society, our culture, tells stories. You might hear a politician tell a story about bloated government spending. Through that story, they want to teach the doctrine of smaller government. You might hear another one tell a story about cleaning up pollution, and through that story, they want to teach the doctrine of the benefits of government regulation. Parents might watch the documentary documentary profile of an elite athlete and be convinced through those stories that unless their kids are on the ice or on the field by age three, they'll never be able to chase their dreams. It's another doctrine. In middle age, we watch home makeover channels and are convinced by those stories that our kitchen needs, needs to be redone every 10 years. That's doctrine. Here's what we have to keep in mind. A doctrine, a teaching, is not automatically true and accurate just because a story can be told to illustrate it. And some teachings can enslave us. When we unquestioningly accept the doctrines our society preaches, we suffer because we never feel fulfilled. When we believe legalistic doctrines regarding our relationship with God, we become unsure about our standing before him, or we become critical of others whom we judge to not be measuring up.
Jesus teaches us in our reading that it's the Bible, it's God's word that sets us free from these hollow and deceptive philosophies. He says that his mouth is the sharpened sword, the weapon that God uses to free us from our bondage. What does it look like then when Jesus, the hero, uses this weapon? Right? Should we expect that as Jesus sets us free from worldly doctrines, and our bondage to them, it's going to look like an action movie style battle, right? Car chases and machine guns. Well, let's keep reading. Verse 4 from Isaiah 49. But I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing at all. Yet what is due me is in the Lord's hand and my reward is with my God. This is kind of where that action movie picture stops working. In the action movie, what does the rescue look like? The hero suddenly swings through the windows where the captives are being held, machine gun in either hand, right blazing away. Jesus' rescue mission, though, did not look like a, a, a midnight commando raid. Our Savior, the Son of God, was instead born as a helpless baby. He spent his life as a human being like us. A few weeks ago, we considered his flight to Egypt as he was threatened by the soldiers of Herod. Despite the pictures that Jesus uses here, swords and arrows, when we read scripture, we see that Jesus used no weapons to win his victory. Paul tells us, Colossians 2.15, instead that Jesus defeated our enemies by the cross. His victory was won through his own death. That's what's described here in verse 4. Jesus spent his strength for nothing at all in the eyes of the world. His death seemed to have done nothing, and frankly, it still seems to have done nothing in our time. Sin still works destruction and grief in our world as it did before Jesus died. Death still comes for every person as it did before Jesus died. Where's the victory? Well, Jesus answers that question simply in verse 4. My reward is with my God. The message of Jesus is that God has forgiven you. That is a reward which no worldly philosophy or human tradition can give you. It comes from God alone. It's only with God. Colossians 2, God forgave us all our sins, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Disarmed the powers and authorities, Paul says. Again, go back to that picture of the hostages. The message over the loudspeaker that the hero is speaking tells the hostages... There's no bullets in their guns. They have no ability to restrain you. They are powerless. The captives look around. The bad guys look nervous. Captives stand up. They walk out the door. They're free. If the bad guys would call out after their departing hostages, Hey, wait, you have to stay here. Would anyone stay? No, they know the truth now. They know they are free. Again, listen to what Paul says to the Colossians after proclaiming their freedom from these legalistic doctrines. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. 
In Jesus, Paul teaches, we already have the fullness that our society tries to promise us through acceptance of its doctrines. Right? The politicians who tell you that only they can deliver your security and well-being are disarmed by Christ, who has made us sons and daughters of the God who knows every hair on your heads. Social media influencers claiming to sell you health and prosperity are disarmed by God's promise that he will deliver your daily bread. Preachers who lay regulations on believers are disarmed by Christ, the perfect Son of God who submitted to baptism from a sinner on behalf of sinners. Christ is the reality to which those law codes pointed. In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Let me go back to that picture that movie scene one more time. Right? The, hero, the captives have escaped. They're all running away. The hero from a distant rooftop watches them go, and now he gets a call from headquarters. There's another mission. Verses 5 and 6 of our reading from Isaiah. And now the Lord says, He who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and to gather Israel to himself, for I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has been my strength. He says, It is too small a thing. For you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. There are still millions, billions of people around our world held captive by the islands and nations, by hollow and deceptive philosophy. They are unaware of what Christ has done. They believe that their relationship with God is something which they can and must restore by their deeds. They are unsure whether or not they stand righteous before God. They cling to the doctrines which they think will make them right, and they hate those who teach otherwise. The word of Jesus is still a sharpened sword and a polished arrow to free those captives. You are equipped with that weapon. You know these captives. They are your neighbors and friends, your co-workers and fellow students, your family. Take this word with you. Jesus goes with it, goes with you to the rescue. Amen.